have been waiting for this message all week. I don't know, maybe I'm starting to say this every week. Maybe it's a recurring theme, but today's message is entitled, I Got Your Back. I Got Your Back. I Got Your Back. You got a couple of people. Come on, somebody. You got my back. <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I Got Your Back. You know? Turn to the other one and say, Not Yours. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Keep playing with me, Kunle. Come on, I love that. Acts chapter 2, how many of you all know this? Where are my Pentecostal people? Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire, fall, people get saved, thousands of people give their heart to the Lord. Peter gets up, gives this message of salvation. Literally, the early church begins... And uh, we see the supernatural happening. Sometimes we don't, when we get to the end of the chapter, we forget the second part of the supernatural, which was they broke bread. They read about the teachings of Jesus and they fellowshiped with one another. I actually call it the second evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fellowshipping with one another encouraging one another, being there for each other. See, the relationship with God, the great commandment, is not just vertical. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. You talk about a hard challenge. I think we can love God. I think we can take communion and praise God. But let's be honest. Love your neighbor as yourself Someone that looks differently than me, acts differently than me, wears different clothes than me, talks differently than me, does a hair differently than me, brushes their teeth differently than me. I'm supposed to love them? Yes. As guess who? Yourself. Not how your parents taught you to love. Not how you love your spouse, but yourself. Jesus knew that we are pretty selfish people. <laughs> That's why he said, yourself. He didn't even say, love, the, love your neighbor as you love God. Why didn't he say that? Because he knew there's moments in our life we choose ourselves over God. Therefore, if you make you the standard, guess what happens? It's kind of tough. I want to encourage you this one concept today. Relationships are important. And how you handle those relationships determine the altitude in which you live on this earth. You can be happy with the Lord. And you can be good with the Lord. And you can be heaven bound and live a miserable life because your relationships are out of whack. They are crazy if you really, some of you guys, you know, I know you all keep it together when you come to church, but I'm starting to add you on Facebook. I'm starting to see what you like. I'm starting to see who you really are. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I don't do that. You know, I don't scan your Facebook. But the truth is this. We can sometimes come into church and play the church game. We can sometimes come into church and when Kunle is getting that keyboard just going, we feel so good. And for the first two hours and the last two hours of the week, we will behave. 
And the rest of the week, not so much. Relationships matter with your spouse, with your children, with your family, with your, chi- with your kids that no longer live with you, with your grandkids. Relationships matter. And so many of us sometimes just go ahead and compartmentalize and put it in a box and say, God, they're affecting my walk with the Lord, so I'm just giving them over to the devil. We can't do that as followers of Jesus. It is our job to love our neighbors, our friends, our families as ourselves. Now I want you to look to your left and look to your right. These are your neighbors right now. Let me bring it home a little bit more now. I want you to look around. Take your time. It's okay. We're not a professional church. Look around. Who don't you know in this room? Who haven't you been to lunch with in this room? Who haven't you taken out coffee? Who haven't you gone shopping with in this room? Come on. Ladies, y'all ought to be shopping with each other. I mean, when we can't even do something fun, something's wrong. How many golfers in this place? Anybody play golf? Guess what? Spring's coming. 35 days. Who's in? I'm going. I'm terrible. I'll go golfing with you. Who loves to just work on stuff or maybe build things? I don't know, but there are people in this room waiting. There are friendships in this room waiting. There is community in this room waiting. And sometimes all we work on is this. And we don't work on this. And there's a problem. And sometimes the things that we think is this is actually this. Horizontal. It's time for us, for some of us who have been here for a long time. It's time for you to make new friends. Amen? Look around. We have grown. We've grown with a lot of new faces. Not because we're trying to be new and cool and young and hip. It's because the Lord brought these amazing people to us. Timothy 1, 16 says this, May the Lord bled Oniphorus and all his family because he visited me and encouraged me often. His visits revived me like a breath of fresh air. Come on. Some of us, we haven't had fresh air in our home for years. Nobody's allowed to come over. Nobody can get through that front door and come visit you because if they did, we're going to take their knees out. First of all, they didn't call and set an appointment to ring my doorbell. How dare they come over? You know, the early church, they basically all came together for everything. Eating, hanging out, church, all of it. They even brought their all of their earnings into one pile. Oh my goodness. That's kind of scary for some of us to keep. Don't worry, keep your wallets back. Don't worry, don't toss it into the trash can yet. Our visits with each other 
really mean more than showing up to church and shaking hands doing two minutes. We ought to be a church that everyone knows where we live. You understand what I'm saying? I know that sounds strange. Okay? Now the strange... Some of y'all are worried. Because, Pastor, what about the strange people coming over? You can tell them. You can open your mouth and say, Hey, I would prefer you not coming over to my house anymore. Because it's kind of strange. Okay? If people are stalking you, call 911. We live in America. You are safe. Nobody's going to come to your house. Okay? Don't publish your address on, on Facebook or anything. But what I'm saying is... When was the last time you asked somebody to go to lunch with you after church? We are supposed to be the hope of the world, reaching people far from God, and we don't even invite each other to lunch. Because we're scared they're going to say no to Boston Market and yes to Bob Evans. Because what if they like Bob Evans and you like Boston Market? Because I won't get my chicken from Boston Market they're going to make me cornbread from Bob Evans. We have all these reasons, but the Bible is clear. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Come on, saints of God, do you see the day approaching? You know, a lot of pastors use this verse to guilt you guys to come to church. I almost did it. But when you look at the original intent of why this verse is written, it was actually talking about small groups. It was talking about connecting with one another. You're talking about going to church. Let us not give up meeting together on Sunday mornings is not what it said. It said, let us not give up meeting together during the week as some are in the habit of doing. Oh man, they had that same problem back then. But let us, what? Encourage one another. Now, some of you guys that like to go pull out a verse and try to correct people all the time, you need to relax. Okay? Meeting one another to what? Encourage one another. If you are the Jesus police, I'm officially removing your badge and saying you have only one job. It is to encourage people. It is not to bring up negative things all the time. My goodness, let us encourage one another. So here's the question I have for you. Why walk alone? Why walk alone? Some of us, the only friend that we have is our spouse. And she's tired of it. And he's tired of it. You need to find somebody else. Okay? We've got some hand claps going on. <laughs> I'm serious. Look, the Bible says that two will become one. It's true. Will become. I-N-G. It's a process. And in that process, find some community. I want you to look around again. I want you to look around. Look how many people are here. Look how many people are available today. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 says this, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. At the end of life, I promise you this, 
The only thing that's going to matter is the relationships you've had and the people you've invested into and the people that have invested into you. No amount of money, no amount of stuff will matter. You will have memories about what you did with people and what people did for you, and that's it. I've said this before many times. As a pastor, people do not remember many of the messages I've spoken, but they remember when I'm at their house. They remember when I minister to their kids or when I actually go over to the hospital and visit them or make a phone call and say, I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you. They remember this stuff. You want to know why? Because relationships matter. I want you to hear this from Chuck Swindoll. He says this, nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player, but take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands we are not. Some of y'all lone rangers. Quit being a lone ranger. This ain't the western movie, you know. Calm down. To make this thing called life work, we got to lean in and support and relate and respond and give and take and confess and forgive and reach out and embrace and release and rely. That's what it's supposed to look like. All of us together, we are not by ourselves. Can you imagine New Song Church headlines 2019? A place where everybody knows your name. Can you imagine what that would be like? Does it matter what your political preference is? No. It won't matter what color your skin is. If you just know someone's name. An amazing thing, isn't it? We make it so complicated sometimes, this Christianity thing. When it all began because people got a hold and experienced the power of God, but they took it to the streets and they loved people that were unlovable. They reached people that hurt them, hung them upside down, tarred them, set them on fire. They would not stop loving people that hurt them. We ought to be not only a church where everybody knows your name. You ought to be a person carrying the light of Jesus. Romans 12, 5 says that since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to ourselves. What's it say? So we belong to each other. Hold on, let me make sure my translation is right. Is that from the Bible? We belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. Not just the people that we prefer. Not just the people that we like to hang out with. We need each other. Let me tell you something. This is not an accident. You are in this church in 2019. God brought you not only because His presence drew you drew you here but because the people around you have something to do with your destiny so don't just be searching up 
Be searching for your destiny sideways too. Because how the Lord wants to move is not just vertically in our relationship with God. He wants to bring heaven to earth. He wants to bring miracles through your hands to the person sitting next to you into your life. There's unity in community. There's unity in community. Don't be naming yourself a community of something when there ain't no unity in your community. We are a community of believers. Have you ever stopped to realize that? The Holy Spirit had to reveal that to me. I said, what do you mean there's unity in community? So you ain't a community if there ain't no unity. Makes sense. We ought to have unity in our community. So here's what I want you to do real quick. I want everyone to stand up. This is so different. And if you're new, we don't do this every week. Okay? I want you to turn the light up, guys, just a bit. This is a little different than what we usually do. I want you to find a person that you don't know right now during this message. I know. And I want you to just introduce yourself to them and tell them how long you've been attending New Song Church. Can we do that today? All right, go ahead. Take two to three minutes. Find someone you don't know. Find someone you don't know. And introduce yourself. Come on back to your seats. (laughs) Grab a seat when you can. If you can. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Grab a seat, everybody. Grab a seat. <laughs> Grab a seat. A pastor's worst nightmare happened. <laughs> All right, everybody. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. <laughs> Amen. 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 Hey, I, I thought about I thought about making this a response for the altar call. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, no, do it right in the message so they will never forget this happened. Right in the middle of the message. And I think it worked. None of you guys are ever going to forget 
that I actually interrupted myself by asking you to make an interruption during my message to say hello to one another. We are to know one another. I want to talk to you today. Y'all, y'all ready to get some preach going? Yeah. <laughs> y'all thought that was it. No, that was just the intro. Okay. <clears throat> oh boy. I can sense the Holy Spirit doing things. Come on, come on, come on. Amen, amen, amen. I want to talk to you from John chapter 11. Um, you all know the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I want to focus on something a little different this morning. Something a little different in the sense of the angle. How many of y'all know that God works in the supernatural? I do. I want to focus in on the relationships that were happening in this chapter. Some of us think that because Jesus was fully God, he was not fully man. And yet he came down to this earth to show us not just that he was a son of God, but he also wants to show us how to live. This chapter is another moment that scripture and Jesus teaches us on how to live out our faith. How to operate and care for one another. How to have unity in community. Because I believe that the true miracles lies not in the fact that Jesus literally was able to heal a dead person who was dead for four days to new life. But it was the fact that he cared about them so much that when the news came to him, he was okay with being interrupted because of his relationship with him. So I wanted to teach you on this concept of who's got your back. Who's got your back? Four kinds of people we need in our lives. Four kinds of people we need in our lives. The first one is this. I need people who really know me. Not just know about me, but really know me. John chapter 11, verse 1 to 3 says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. This was different. This wasn't just a person who was sick. This was the person that Jesus had a relationship with. See, they didn't just say, hey, Lord, my brother Lazarus is sick. No, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. It got Jesus' attention. Do you have people in your life that when you call them, it gets your attention? Do you have people that you can rely on? That when things get so crazy that you can trust. That when it's a season of two or three or four years, you can trust them with the hardships of life. 
and they will walk with you. See, so many of us trust in things that we cannot see. We trust in things that we cannot believe in sometimes. We even say things out of faith. Lord, you're going to heal me. Maybe you're waiting on a healing and it's been over a decade and you're still waiting on the healing. Yet what if the Lord is bringing healing through another person? I'm just saying, what if that interruption that you keep on pushing away is actually what God wants for your life? There is such a thing as divine interruptions. There is such a thing as holy interruptions. Are you walking in a manner that you have people in your life that know you? One of the opportunities I get in our city is to hide behind this skin color. I've said this many times before. I absolutely love that the medical system in Cleveland is a huge system. Because people, it's such an easy talking point for me. Are you a doctor or an IT professional? Do you work at the clinic? And I always tell them, I'm a spiritual doctor. And then they say, from a Hindu temple? A mosque? Full gospel Christian? Really? Where? Cleveland Heights? Really? What church? See, we ought to get to know people. And so I'll ask them, where are you from? Why are you asking me all these questions? You're born and raised here? Yeah, I can tell. Because you're complaining about the snow. Have you been around Wisconsin? Do you see what they're digging out themselves from? You see any snow this morning? No. See, getting to know people gets being vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable. He wasn't perfect all the time with his nose up. He was someone that felt things. The one you love is sick. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? See, nobody can dig this stuff out of you, people. Sometimes I'll be in a counseling meeting and people are just like, hey, I just want to meet with you. And I'm sitting there. Why are we meeting here? I don't know. I don't know if I can trust you with this. Did you set up a meeting with your pastor for an hour? And we're five minutes into this and you're still not able to tell me? You've been, he, pre, you've been hearing me preach. You've been getting side hugs from me, watching me smile and sweat and do all kinds of stuff for seven months now and you can't tell me what's going on. We have a trust problem in our society. We have to allow the Lord to build the bridge in our trust. And yes, people will hurt you. Can I just tell you that? But it's not our job to worry about that. It's the Holy Spirit's job to worry about that. It's okay to hurt sometimes. It's okay to have boundaries. I'm not saying just go crazy and not have boundaries. I'm saying who do you trust? See, we need people that know us. Amen? Verse 4, the story continues. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. Jesus said that. 
And he was wrong. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. The disciples are all kinds of confused. What is going on? Jesus, will you stop talking in code? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? (laughs) He loved them. And instead of going, he stayed two more days. Jesus, what are you up to? Don't we ask ourselves that question sometimes in relationships? God, when is this person going to change? God, another one bites the dust. Another one, I put myself out there. If you're single in here, you're like, another person. God, when is the one going to show up? I want to tell you something today. I don't know who that was, but I'll be praying for you after the service. Or if you're single and you knew who that was, find each other and y'all can connect at the group link. Right after service. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So he stays there for two more days. And I hate to say this. We know this. He literally is waiting for Lazarus to die. Who wants to serve that kind of a God? A God who waits for your dream to die so that he can resurrect it on his timing. Who wants to serve a God who's going to kill a relationship so that he can resurrect it in his time? This is the space that Jesus works in. He doesn't work in this analog, linear way that we think A plus B equals C, 1 plus 1 equals 2. And we go through these mathematics of this person likes golfing and this person likes to eat cheese and this person likes to go here and that. And therefore, it's a good match. And if you're getting, you know, dating someone today, I'm going to check your credit. You're going to check my credit. We're going to look at each other's accounts and make sure we're kind of paired perfectly for each other. And God doesn't do that. Some of us in 2019, we're like, well, that's wisdom, guy. Ain't godly wisdom. I'm not saying you don't need to do it after you marry. Well, you better pray before you check someone's credit. If this person is who you're supposed to be with. Some of us were looking for people using the Tinder app. Oh, no, pastor said it. For some of us who don't know what that is, it is a terrible app. It is a terrible app. <laughs> Yeah. All kinds of stuff going on. You're looking for the one you're supposed to marry on Tinder? Really? We have brought worldly wisdom into the church. And we have left Jesus in second place. It's time that we have divine interruptions, starting first with Jesus to say, your timing is my timing. I will be faithful to Jesus before I am faithful to what I need in my life. See, Jesus was on his way to doing something. He's an important person. He had his schedule. 
But he said, let us go back to Judea. You know, what's interesting about Jesus is that he was a man full of relationships. And although there were times where he could not give to all of them, he would always give them just enough. Some of us, we need to realize we cannot be all things to all men. We have to recognize that there is such a thing as limits. We have to say no to some of our friends. We have to be said no to by some of our friends. And you need to listen to them. Don't be just like, you know, your wife says something, you'll be like, "Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. All the wives should be saying amen right about now. When your husband says something to you, wives, you should just brush it off. No, 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 guys. You're not supposed to be saying amen at this point. Jesus was on his way to doing something. When you're on your way to doing something this week, will you ask the Lord for holy interruptions? Will you ask the Lord for divine interruptions? Will you ask the Lord, interrupt me, God. Interrupt my schedule this week for relationships so I can impact your world. In Jesus' name, would you flow through me when I'm in Home Depot and Dave's Market or Heinen's or I'm in, in a Starbucks or wherever else that you hang out or Little Caesar's Pizza. Come on, somebody. Will you interrupt my life? If the cashier isn't nice to you, would you interrupt yourself and say, hey, how's it going? How's your day going? It doesn't look like it's going good. Well, I just want to let you know that I'll be praying for you today. Can you do that? How much does it cost? How much does it cost to add two or three more dollars on your tip? When you're eating out and say, God bless you. Thank you for working while I'm eating. How much does it cost to do these things? See, we make it so complicated, but divine interruptions are in the simple things, in the everyday things. We need people that know us. So who knows you outside of your family? Who knows you? Number two, the kind of person that we need. I need people who will be honest with me. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I don't need people... Who will just pump me up all the time? In fact, as a pastor, I've learned someone that gives me a lot of compliments, it's only a matter of time. Now, I need some. Don't just disappear on me, okay? I need some. So give me some compliments. But I don't need compliments to the point to where I'm levitating into the ceiling. I am not Jesus, okay? But I need people who are honest with me. I need people who are there for me. I need people who will be upfront and straightforward with me. Don't you? John chapter 11, 9 to 15 says, As Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. There he goes again. He's making up this fictional story. What is happening? But I am going there to wake him up. He is teaching the disciples a lesson. 
he is the great narrator, the great storyteller. He's like, look, Lazarus is falling asleep. I'm on my way to go wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better, I guess. Isn't that how we think about God? Oh, God, I guess if this person doesn't really want to hear from me, I'll just leave him alone. My kid's just crazy, you know. All this new 2019 stuff, you know, I can't control them. I just let them do whatever they want. You can't do that. You got to be honest with people. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly. (laughs) He's like, man, these guys ain't ever going to get it. Sometimes Jesus does that to us. You've been walking with me for 25 years? Well, let me put it plainly to you. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. What? For you, for our sake, Lazarus is dead? I, how does this make sense? Why? So that you may believe, but let us go to him. If I was a disciple, I'd just be like, you know what, Jesus, I think you got ADHD. (laughs) Because not only am I confused with your instructions, because it ain't a straight path to where I'm supposed to be. It's zigzag all over the place. Now you're asking us to go visit a dead person where you knew that this person was dead all along. That's what God does. See, honest friends, like Jesus, reveal blind spots. They reveal the things that you cannot see. They reveal the things inside of you that you don't even know. This is why marriage works. This is why you need to get married. Because the other person is being used by Jesus to bring out these blind spots. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to work through the other person, you have a better marriage and a better relationship with God. This is the truth. There have been so many times I have not wanted to listen to my beautiful wife, Audrey. Just because I like to win. (laughs) And I don't want her to win. But I know... After one or two conversations, the Holy Spirit says to me, "Uh uh-uh, what she's saying is right. You ought to change that about yourself, or you ought to do this instead of that. And to that I say to the Holy Spirit, let me sleep on it, Lord. (laughs) Take a hot shower and get back to you. No, we ought to do what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Are you willing to be wounded today? Are you willing to be wounded today? Or do you want to be kissed all the time? Do you want to be caressed all the time? 
Do you want to be loved all the time? Do you want your ears to be tickled all the time? Or do you want to have some wounds? This is how Jesus operated. Now, the key word is wounds from who? From friends. Ain't no random people poking at me, (laughs) trying to hurt me. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Why is this important? Because those that walk with you and are honest with you will be with you for the rest of the life, even if they're not with you. Why? Because their honesty pushed you towards the destiny that God has for your life. Honest friends, reveal your blind spots and bring out the best in you. I need people who will be honest with me. You need people who will be honest with you. Friends, those that you trust. Number three, I need people who will speak words of life and encouragement. Life and encouragement. Is there anybody with some life in them today? If you have some encouragement today, anybody in this room, before you leave today, you are to just walk up to somebody and say, you're looking good today. Even if the person isn't. (laughs) You want to know why? Because it's not about them, it's about you. People need people of life and encouragement. There's enough negativity in this world. We don't need you. With a smile. I kind of said that a little harsh. Let me rewind again. We need people full of life and encouragement because that's what the gospel is. It's not a bad news, folks. What is it? But you don't look like it. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. All knowing God, omniscient. God, being everywhere, he knew. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Ooh, someone that's connected to life and encouragement. Look, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, Jesus, Son of God. We know who you are. But you know, if you think about raising Lazarus from the dead, I'm just going to throw that in there real quick. So many of us give up on relationships. So many of us give up on each other. So many of us give up on New Song as a church where we will be known and know each other. So many of us give up on our families and our marriages. Have we ever asked Jesus by speaking life into your situation? Have we ever taken it to him and said, Lord, I know this relationship is dead, but would you do something supernatural? Because I know you can, but I I trust you no matter what you do. But would you? Martha answered, or Jesus said to her, what did he say? Your brother 
will rise again. He is testing her. This whole chapter is like a big test. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha goes for the good old Christian answer because she's been a Sunday, Sunday school class and she's, she knows eschatology and she knows about the rapture and she knows about the end days and she read the book of Revelations, which she didn't have, but, you know, she knows everything. He says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She's like, Jesus, take it easy. Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. See, she believed even when it was hard to, even when she couldn't understand. She kept speaking words of life. And Jesus kept encouraging her and saying, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. That there's life still. There's a possibility still. Did you know that Jesus brought hope into that situation by just who he was? See, how many of us bring hope to our relationships? How many of us bring grief? Is it more grief or is it hope? Some of us, we have so many enemies and we're proud of it. We have annoyed so many people and we like have badges of honor because nobody likes you. That is not how the gospel teaches we are to live as sons and daughters of the Most High. Do we bring hope or do we bring grief? Part of the problem is that we wear masks in church. Can I be honest with you today, if I haven't already? We want people to believe that we are better than what we are. We want people to believe that we know more than what we really know. We want people to believe that we actually are more qualified than what we really are. We want, to believe, we want people to know who we are. We ought to be people that allow Jesus to represent us. And in doing so, humble ourselves and saying, without Jesus, I would not be anywhere. This is the key to bringing life and encouragement. It's to live in humility before the Lord and to tell the Lord, God, I'm no better than the person working through the drive-thru. I'm no person, I'm no better than the person walking down the road. I'm no person than the person that actually killed that, per, that, that woman's son. But it's only because of you. So therefore, I will bring life. And I will bring encouragement. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says this. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say it out in the open. Some of us need to walk in the light. You have been Christians for years, but you are not walking in the light. What is the light? It's a place of transparency. It's a place of humility. It's a place of vulnerability. That's called being in the light. When you're in the dark, you can hide. Take off your mask. It's okay. Nobody is going to judge you here as the pastor of New Song Church. Nobody here is going to judge anybody. We will allow the scriptures to do that. We will allow the Holy Spirit to help people. We will allow Jesus to bring that up in people's lives. This house will be a house of life and encouragement and of hope. 
We will be a place where we allow the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. You know what's funny? Bible says that Jesus will forgive our sins. Amen. Did you know that in book of James, it actually says another way to be healed from your sins. Some of you guys know already where I'm going with this. Did you know that God will always forgive your sins? You know, all those times you went to camp when you were 17 years old, every day at the altar time, you're like, God, I sinned again today. Forgive me, Jesus. Next week, forgive me, Jesus. Next week, forgive me, Jesus. God's going to forgive you every single time. You can take it to the bank, but this is how you get healed from your sin. You, You ready? James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be. You want to know how you're going to be rescued from your sin. You want to know how you're going to be healed from your sin. Do you know how? First is to ask forgiveness from the Lord. The second is to actually confess your sins. To your brother or your sister. So that you bring things into the light. So that you may be healed. Some of us were broken on the inside. We have been attending church. Service after service. Fasting. Praying. Believing. God for a miracle. And the whole time. The miracle is sitting next to you. The whole time. The miracle is across the aisle, across the cubicle, getting to a person and saying, you know what, would you pray with me and believe as I bring this into the light that God will take care of the darkness because darkness cannot stay in the light because light overcomes darkness. Something that's scary, isn't it? To confess our sins... What do you mean confess our sins? It's so simple, yet it's so profound. What God wants to do in our lives is not always profound sometimes. It is simple. So today, we're going to take an opportunity not to confess sins to one another. I didn't want to put you in that spot. (laughs) I lied yesterday. I didn't do this like I'm supposed to. No. I want to give you an opportunity to examine who the one person is in your life that you can trust. Who is the one person that you can confess your sins to? And there will be no judgment, but they will pray for you. The key is this. Confess your sins to each other. If you keep confessing your sins to one person and they ain't confessing nothing to you, you better run you got to get to someone who basically says, you know what, I ain't perfect either. But I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to be there for you when you need it, and you be there for me. Business people in this room, who are you calling on a Friday night in a different zip code, and you ain't near your family? And you're being tempted to watch something on the TV, on your laptop, on your cell phone. Who are you calling in that moment? Who can you call in that moment and say, Hey brother, hey sister, would you pray for me right now? I'm being tempted. So let's make it real. Who are you calling 
When your marriage is falling apart and you don't know your way out and you're doing everything that's correct, who is your brother or sister that you're calling and saying, hey, would you pray for me? I feel like I'm not doing good. My husband's not doing good. My wife's not doing good. Would you pray for me? Show me your friends and I will show you your future. See, I need people who will hurt with me. See, we not only need people who really know us, we not only need people who will be honest with us, we not only need people who speak words of life and encouragement and are, are positive influence in life, we need people who will hurt when I hurt. After she had said this, she went back, Scripture says in John chapter 11, and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. I am convinced that this is the turning point for the miracle. I am convinced that when he showed up there, that this moment of relationship, when he saw the people that he loved so much hurting, it deeply moved him. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Maybe hoping, just hoping, Hoping maybe this person that gives sight to the blind makes the deaf people hear. Maybe this would be another miracle. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. What a witness. What a witness we can be to those around us by how we love each other, how we hurt for one another, how we care about one another. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We know that this talks about Jesus, but the truth is this. Who is the person in our life that may literally fly if they're in a different city to come to your rescue? We have to have those people. People that will hurt with us that care for us, that are deeply moved. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Man, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, here comes reality, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor. And by Jewish tradition, they believed that their spirits were gone. 
because it was the fourth day. Not only were they saying, God, was it a bad order? They were saying, God, this is, this is not the way things are done. This is not the rules of engagement. This is not how conflict resolution happens. This is not how you bring healing to relationships. This is not how you do it. When you look at our past new song, don't you see a lot of that? How are you going to bring this together, Jesus? How are you going to bring all of this together and mend all of these things that we know about now? I'm telling you, listen to the Lord. He is hurting with us. He knows each person. He knows who's involved. He knows all those who are hurting. The community is messy, isn't it? But I believe community is the vehicle that God uses to propagate his kingdom here on earth. There's no other way the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself on this earth. You want to know why? The price has already been paid. It is now for the Christians and the so-called followers of Jesus to rise up and say, we represent Jesus. We don't represent ourselves. We represent a community that is forgiving, that is full of love, that is full of light, that is full of peace and hope and restoration and reconciliation. We are Jesus freaks. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. (laughs) They're like, all right, Jesus, whatever you want. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Notice the connection between the Son and the Father. I know that you have already heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. We will never achieve kingdom purposes until we allow God to speak to us. This connection right here is how this connection gets better. It should be like this conduit of electricity coming from heaven straight down into our souls and spirits, right into someone else's when we talk and connect with people. Father, I thank you that you've heard. I knew that you've always heard, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Now help me read this out. Lazarus, come out. I mean, you talk about a sequel to Easter. And here comes Lazarus. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face looking like Michael Jackson with his dance moves. And Jesus said to them, He didn't even do it. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
Why did he say to them? Why didn't he just use a magical spell? Why didn't the stuff just fall off his body? Why did he say to them? Because he knew it was needed for them. Do you know why community is messy? Because the enemy knows. This is how healing happens in our life. Do you know why there's disunity in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ? Because this is how the devil brings division into churches. Do you know why we have hundreds of denominations? Because this is what the enemy does. Because he knows there's unity in community. And if a community is unified, then the supernatural becomes so free to move, we can't stop it. So I want to challenge you here today. What's God trying to say to you? What relationship is he trying to say? Hey, remove that stone. Let me, let me, let me get a chance at this. Let me go ahead and do what I can do. And let him be God.